Good morning. Thanks for joining me on the Meg Ellison Show. If you've missed any of the programming during the course of the four and a half hours of programming gold, you can always go out to WSAU.com and all of the conversations are podcasted there. Joining me this morning, and we're going to get to a lot of your calls. So hold tight. I will get to as many of you as possible. So if you've got a health concern or a health-related question, uh, this is your opportunity to call in and ask this of my guest, pharmacist Ben Fuchs. Good morning, Ben. How are you? Good morning, Meg. Great to talk to you. And you know, I'll tell you this: you're you're more than you're more than a mere pharmacist. I mean, you're <laughs> a nutritionist extraordinaire. I think I I coined that last time we talked. But it, I appreciate that. You know, pharmacy is the art or the study of how the outside world interacts with the inside world. And we always think because of mark, good, clever marketing by drug companies, we always think of drugs when we think of pharmacy. But, you know, in the old days, it was herbs. Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. So it doesn't have to Pharmacy doesn't have to be about drugs. But uh, it, it is that, that, that is what we think of because of clever marketing by the pharmacomedical model and by the drug companies. But really, pharmacy is how you can use things from the outside to interact with the inside in terms of chemistry to create therapeutic changes and healing changes. And I use nutrition and food because I think... Nutrition and food, number one, are the most powerful and simultaneously non-toxic interventions. And at the end of the day, nobody suffers from a drug deficiency, but almost everybody suffers from a nutritional deficiency. And there's no such thing as a drug deficiency disease, but there are an endless amount of, near endless amount of nutritional deficiency diseases. So you're old school pharmacy. I mean, you know, and I... You can put it that way, yeah. but, you know, we didn't really understand nutrition. This is kind of interesting. You know, we take for granted vitamins, minerals, amino acids, fatty acids as, as important, but we didn't really know about these things until the turn of the 20th century. In fact, the first vitamin or micronutrient was discovered in the late uh, 19th century. Do you know what the first uh, micronutrient to be discovered was? No, tell by me. Micro, by micronutrients, I'm referring to what we, what we tend to refer to as vitamins. Oh. People use that word vitamins when they think of micronutrients. See? But really, vitamins are just one class of micronutrients. There's amino acids, there's fatty acids, and there's essential fatty acids, and there's uh, plant nutrients like bioflavonoids and carotenes and such. Uh, all of these classify or can be classified as micronutrients in the sense that very, 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 very tiny amounts, which are found in foods, have medicinal and healing properties. These are micronutrients, and we didn't know about them until the end of the 19th century. The very first micronutrient to be discovered was discovered in... Southeast Asia, when uh, the, uh, the British Empire and the, the American Empire went out to, um, to, to uh, the Philippines and uh, New Guinea and Vietnam, and they started to, they started to uh, colonize these parts of the world for their resources, uh, when they came out there, all of a sudden, they brought their food along with them, and the natives were eating Western food, and they started to exhibit Western diseases. One of the first diseases they discovered was this nervous, uh, nerve disease where they couldn't move, they, they couldn't get out of bed, they had no energy, they had all these um, this pain, peripheral neuropathies we call them today, tingling pain in the nerves, and uh, they said, what the heck is going on here? Why are these natives all of a sudden getting this weird neur neural diseases? And they said, well, it turns out that we're bringing our food over with them, and one of the foods that, uh, that the natives were eating anyway was rice, rice was a staple crop, and what happened was when, when the, um, the Western powers came to these Southeast Asian countries, they brought their rice with them. But their rice was different from the natives' rice. And what was different? Uh, Americans and British were very uh, enamored with white, you know, white culture and whiteness and 
white represented purity and brown represented dirt and primitiveness and and uh, and uh, unsophistication. So they brought their white rice with them. So they thought, I wonder if there's something in the rice that's all of a sudden causing this, these diseases. And they started to uh, examine the polishings of the rice, the stuff that they removed in order to make the, white, the rice white. And they noticed, <clears throat> excuse me, in the polishings of the rice, there was this compound that when you gave it to people who had these nerve, this nerve disease, by the way, the nerve disease is called beriberi, which is Swahili for I can't, I can't. They noticed when they gave the rice polishings to these uh, to the natives who were suffering from beriberi, their beriberi disappeared. So they said, oh my gosh, there's something in these rice polishings. And they did some scientific experiments and examination, and they discovered one of the most, if not, well, one of the most important uh, micronutrients anybody can ever take for Today, we know it's very important for blood sugar, and it's important for the nervous system, it's important for the digestive system, it's important for the brain, it's important for the cardiovascular system, and deficiencies are very common. And this uh, nutrient was, first nutrient, micronutrient to be discovered, vitamin B1, thiamine. And to this day, uh, people still don't recognize how unbelievably important it is, especially when you're eating a lot of sugar and, and processed food, for the heart, for the digestive system, for the brain for handling blood sugar. In fact, this thiamine, vitamin B1, is so important for the brain that if you, uh, uh, when alcoholics who suffer often from thiamine deficiency because of alcohol depletes the body of thiamine, uh, when, when, uh, these, when alcoholics are suffering from psychoses, you know, talking of pink elephants and leprechauns and such, they'll actually inject these folks with thiamine and their brain problems will completely be eliminated just by injecting them with thiamine. Wow. Right? You've got to wonder how much attention deficit disorder or emotional issues or mental health issues or cognitive decline issues that older folks are suffering from are nothing more than thiamine deficiency. And given the fact that thiamine is depleted by processed food and sugar as well as alcohol, it's a very good possibility that all we need is some thiamine and we could get rid of a lot of our health problems. That's just one of 90 essential nutrients, 90 essential micronutrients, aminos, vitamin acids, fat, essential aminos, uh, fatty, uh, essential fatty acids, vitamins, and minerals. Wow. So can can you get, or does, is B1 a part of a multivitamin complex? Oh, my God. I'm so glad you asked that. Ooh, wow. You know, the multivitamins that we take and that everybody thinks are, you know, all you need, in fact, we're told that's all you need, are based on something called the RDAs, right? You've heard of the RDAs, right? Mm -hmm. That's the the... the the, amount the propaganda from the federal government. Propaganda, totally. So the RDAs stand for something called the recommended daily allowance, right? I call the RDAs the ridiculous deficiency allowance because it keeps you ridiculously deprived of the amount of nutrients that you need. So, for example, thiamine, you probably need about 100 milligrams a day or so, something like that, 100, 150 milligrams. The RDA, the ridiculous deficiency allowance, is one milligram a day, and that's what you're getting in your multivitamin. That's, now, that's enough, perhaps, to keep you from having a full-blown deficiency disease, but it's nowhere near what you need to stay maximally healthy. And you can do the same thing with vitamin B2 and B3 and B5 and B6 and vitamin C and, and all the micronutrients. They're there. And by the way, this is a, an important idea because the medical model that we love so much and we honor so much, and for good reason, is not there to help us thrive. It's there to help us survive. Mm -hmm. And we think that the, the, our... our geniuses who run the medical model or know everything there is to know about health. They do not. They know how to keep us alive, which is great, by the way. That's very important. If you get hit by a car, you have a heart attack or some rock hits you on the head. But when it comes to thriving, which is a completely different uh, uh, animal than just surviving, do you want to just survive? No, we want to thrive. 
Doctors are great for survival, but we deserve more than just survival. We should be thriving. We should be getting thrival. We should be thriving, not just surviving. And that requires a lot more than the recommended daily allowance, and it requires a lot more uh, lifestyle strategies than anything the medical model can give us. It's great, and I love my doctor friends. They're great for helping us survive an accident. But when it comes to thriving in your life, it's all about lifestyle choices involving the foods we eat, the nutritional supplements we take, as well as our spirituality and the thoughts we think, our mental nature, and our emotional nature as well. Spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical strategies that we can employ by the choices we make, by our lifestyle choices, are what we need to understand if we're going to have a fully actualized 120-year lifespan, which is what we deserve and what the human body is capable of. All right. Well, speaking of emotions, let's talk about how they affect your immunity. Sure. Yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole branch of science of medicine called psychoneuroimmunology. Have you ever heard of this? I have Psycho- not. Psychoneuroimmunology, this is a legitimate medical specialty, is all about the relationship between psycho, psychology, neuro, neurology, and immunoimmunology, our body's ability to fight diseases, our immune system, is based on the relationship between our psychology and our neurology. And underestimate, we underestimate it at our peril. So understanding love and peace of mind and reducing anxiety and reducing depression and understanding how these things work, the emotional nature, our emotional nature, which, by the way, is linked to the mental nature, is critical not only, uh, not only in terms of alternative medicine, like your, you know, people who, who study meditation, which is very important, and people who study uh, psychological strategies for good health, but it's important for medicine. And so we find that when our immune system or when our emotions are, are activated by what's called the fight or flight system, the sympathetic nervous system, when we're in emergency mode, our immune system is suppressed. Our ability to fight diseases is suppressed. In other words, when we're scared, when we're depressed, when we're fighting for our life in terms of anxiety, our immune system is suppressed. You say, what the heck? Why would our immune system be suppressed when we're in survival mode, fight or flight mode? Scientists will say the sympathetic nervous system is activated. So why would the immune system be suppressed? Well, it turns out when you're running from a tiger, which from an evolutionary perspective is when the, the fight or flight system was activated. You know, today our fight or flight system is activated by our credit card bills and by our jobs and by our government and by our dysfunctional relationships and by our boss and by our husbands and wives and kids. In the, from an evolutionary perspective, the only time the sympathetic nervous system was activated was when the lion was present, you know, when you're going to get eaten by a tiger. So when you're going to get eaten by a tiger, you don't need an immune system. You need to be rerouting or redirecting all of your resources, your biochemical resources, to running. You don't need an immune system for, for fight, running from a, a, a tiger. So the immune system, as well as the digestive system and the fertility system and the creativity system and all of the good stuff in life, becomes suppressed when we're in fear. And this is what the relationship between our emotional state and our, uh, and our ability to fight diseases is based in. The fear response is behind. Check this out, Meg. What I'm going to say is very, very important now. The fear response, i.e. the sympathetic nervous system response, the fight-or-flight response, is behind every single chronic degenerative disease you can name. 
which make up about 80% of our our healthcare costs in this country. When I say chronic degenerative diseases, I'm talking about things that don't resolve themselves, that just get worse which is what most of us suffer from when it comes to our health issues. Most of our health issues are not infectious or traumatic. They're degenerative. They're osteoarthritis and cardiovascular disease and neurological diseases and anything that has to, where the body doesn't heal, it just degenerates. They are all ALL based in an activated fight-or-flight response and learning how to reverse that sympathetic overdrive into what's called the rest and digest response, also known as the parasympathetic nervous system response, is the key to a healthy, long, and beautiful life. And there's lots of ways to do it. For example, you know, and by the way, the sympathetic nervous system, the fear response, I call that the false response. You know what fear stands for? You've ever heard that acronym? The False evidence appearing real. Oh, you ever heard that? I have heard it, but thanks for right. the reminder. Right? Fear is the false. It's the liar. It's false. It's fake. And the parasympathetic nervous system, that's the love response. That's the peace of mind response. And I think of the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system in religious terms, in spiritual terms. So who is the liar? Who is the adversary? Satan is the yep. adversary. This is, this is metaphorical. I'm not necessarily being literal, but the satanic response is the sympathetic response, the fear response, the fake response, the lie response. Jesus represents, Christ represents, the love response, the parasympathetic response. And so learning how to activate the parasympathetic response is a, a question of connecting with spirit, connecting with God, connecting with, peace, uh, connecting with a higher power, if you like, or with nature, however, whatever term you want to use. And what did Christ tell us? He says, you're either with me or against me, right? You can either be sympathetic or parasympathetic. You can't be both. You're either in fear, net, or you're in peace of mind, net. And learning how to be, activate peace of mind, whether it's through religious means or spiritual means or just, just cognitive means, using cognitive behavioral therapy means, is critical, critical if we are going to leverage this wonderful human body that we've been gifted with uh, for a potential 120 years. And I always tell people, if you're listening to the radio or you're listening to TV or you're, you're reading books that are, or newspapers that inspire fear, that activate fear or anxiety or worry, change the channel. Get another book. You want to immer- we, we all want to immerse ourselves in love, in safety, in peace of mind, in all the good stuff. And then your immune system is stronger, your digestive system is stronger, your uh, blood pressure drops, your skin looks better, you have more fertility. All the good stuff is located in the parasympathetic response, the rest and digest response. And one of the simplest ways that we can activate the parasympathetic nervous system, you, you understand how important it is now, I hope. Oh. To activate the right to activate Absolutely. this rest and digest response, one of the simplest things you could do. And quick digression: you know, uh, insomnia is a classic example of a of the stress response, of the sympathetic nervous system response. And insomnia is like an epidemic, right? So you can almost use that as a marker for your for how well you're, or for how much how, how parasympathetic you are versus sympathetic, how rest and digest you are versus fight or flight. If you have insomnia, you can rest assured you're, you're in sympathetic nervous system functioning. So one of the best ways to observe the power of the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest nervous system, is to be grateful. 
And this is why you want to say grace before you eat. The digestive system is regulated by the parasympathetic nervous system. So we say grace before we eat food to activate the parasympathetic nervous system to get better digestion. Wow. So you don't want to you don't want to uh, to eat when you're stressed or in a business meeting or listening to the news. You want to eat when you're relaxed and thankful and grateful for your meals. Likewise with insomnia. Insomnia is based in the fight or flight nervous system because when a tiger is chasing you, you're not supposed to fall asleep, obviously. So uh, if you find that you can't sleep at night, go in your mind, come up with a list of five or ten things that you're grateful for. Your kids or your house or your dog or your job or your money or your health, whatever it is. And you'll run down the list of all the things you're grateful for, five or ten things. You don't have to do everything, but come up with five or ten things and run down the list and then go back and run down the list again and go back to the top and run down the list again. The next thing you know, it will be morning because you will have activated the rest and digest nervous system and you will fall asleep. And by the way, this rest and digest nervous system is the safety nervous system. It's activated when we feel safe. And when we read in the Bible that we have to be saved, what it really means, we have to be safe. And this is what we want to start to understand. And by the way, parents, the greatest gift a parent can give to their children or their, their kids is the gift of safety, having your kids feel safe in the world. And we all need to be parenting ourselves so we feel safe in the world. All right. So I'm just going to cue this up. Uh, so if you would like to join the conversation, you have a specific question for Pharmacist Ben Fuchs about uh, a health concern or a health-related question, 715-845-2155. When I go to the break, too, I am just going to line up calls. So we, I've got five lines here. So if you want to call in, and, well, actually four, because Ben's on one of them. So take that. 715-845-2155. I think we already have a call. Let's oh. see if I can find it here. Good morning. You're on with Meg and Ben. Good morning. Good this morning. is a bad one for him, but what does someone do that has tinnitus tinnitus? Oh, that's a bad one. Oh, my God. That is. Do you have it? Is that you? Yep. Oh, my God. That is a – you know what that is, Meg? That's a miserable condition. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm sorry. Can you imagine having a sound in your head, a ringing or a high-pitched sound in your head that never goes away? Ugh. It'll drive you crazy. Yeah. How long have you had this, sir? Very many years. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this is tinnitus is, is almost there's no medical strategy for dealing with tinnitus. There's no medicine you can take. There's no, you know, no no magical trick in the no, no magical tool in the doctor's bag of bag of tricks that can help with tinnitus. Tinnitus is like all chronic degenerative diseases is inflammation. This is very important because we hear this word all the time, but nobody ever tells us what it means or how to address it. The inflammatory response is a protective response. It's like an airbag going off in your car. And an airbag can save your life, but it can also kill you. And likewise with inflammation. So when, we, when something, the enemy, gets into the body, and by that I mean into the bloodstream, either, and there's, only two main, there's really only two main ways things get into the blood, and that's through injection or through food. Uh, when in the enemy gets into the blood... The body will protect itself by building a beaver's dam around that enemy or a wall around that enemy. And that's what inflammation is. Inflammation is a wall around the enemy. And all chronic degenerative health challenges are based in inflammation. I said earlier how all chronic degenerative diseases are based in the fear response. Well, inflammation 
is a manifestation of the fear response. The body becomes scared of something, and it protects itself by building a wall around that substance, and this is what we call inflammation. Tinnitus is an inflammatory response, period, end of story, full stop, which means tinnitus is a protective response. Now, it could be a protective response to some kind of damage, and people who have damage, uh, like physical trauma or uh, or damage to the inner ear area will get tinnitus. But for the most part, tinnitus is the end result of an inflammatory response that follows the ingestion of problem foods and toxicity that enters into the bloodstream through the intestine. Let me say that again. Tinnitus can happen from damage, and if you get hit in the head or if you if uh, a loud noise creates damage in the inner ear, that can cause it. But for the most part, it is the end result of chronic ingestion of problem foods and or what is called leaky gut syndrome where toxicity enters into the bloodstream through the intestine. Either way, you're looking at a digestive and food issue. Now, what is your name, sir? William. William. And you sound like you're probably in your 50s or 60s? Going to be 70, God willing. God bless you. That's awesome. Okay? So, you have to know this, William. I'm not a psychic. I'm just a pharmacist. But I'm going to tell you something that's going to sound like I'm a psychic. You've had digestive problems for a long time, and you have to know this. Correct? Mm, it's a battle in the morning to leave, get things to settle down. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, I'm not a psychic. I'm just a pharmacist. But I understand how the body is put together. So, the digestive health issues that you've been dealing with are not only causing this tinnitus, they're causing other inflammatory conditions inside the body, and ultimately they're going to lead to other health challenges, which you likely already have, but if you don't, they're, going to, they're on the way. And, I'm not meaning to scare you or be melodramatic here, they're also going to ultimately cause a shortening in your life. So you've got to get that digestive condition under control. And, and this is very important because it's not really intuitive. When we say, oh, i got a problem in my ear, it's not really intuitive to say, well, that's based on my intestine, that's based on my digestive health. But this is a leap that we have to take uh, by understanding the forensics of the body. I call this biological forensics. You know, you remember CS, you ever watch CSI on TV? Where they no TV. Forensics? I don't I, watch have. Yeah, they have clues. You know, there's a perpetrator, there's a crime, and they have to find the perpetrator of the crime. And they go by clues. Well, your crime in the body in terms of biological forensics is uh, your inner ear, your, your tinnitus. So we've got to have clues here, and we've got to find where the perpetrator is. So if you backtrack, you'll see that there are certain foods that will make your tinnitus worse. Your tinnitus flares up when you eat certain foods. So the best thing you can do, uh, William, is do what's called a food diary, where you write down everything you eat and then how you feel after you eat the food, how your tinnitus, uh, how your tinnitus is, how your digestive system is, maybe fatigue issues, skin issues, blood pressure issues, and you take notes. And what you'll find is, and this is for anybody who's dealing with a chronic health condition, this is a, the first strategy that you want to employ is a food diary and then link your symptoms to problem foods, uh, and then you're going to have to start eliminating those foods. Now, in conjunction with that, you're going to want to do, uh, build and strengthen the intestine with things like probiotics, uh, fiber, digestive enzymes, apple cider vinegar with meals, and there's a whole bunch of things. But most importantly, uh, and to address your, um, your question on this call, most importantly is link your tinnitus to intestinal and digestive and uh, health and food issues. And this is true for any long-term chronic degenerative disease. 
There's nothing you can do directly for the ear, but there is a lot you can do indirectly by working at the soil. It's kind of like if you have a tree and you have leaves that are decaying and deteriorating. You can't do anything about the leaves. You can't spray the leaves with anything to all of a sudden have them not deteriorate. You have to go to the soil, and you have to go to the roots, and you have to go to the trunk of the tree. And in terms of the body, the root and the soil and the trunk of all rotting leaves or degenerative disease is going to be the intestine. Wow. That's very informative. William, I'm so sorry about your condition. I um, hope that uh, Ben has helped give you some ideas for some things that you can try to, to get some relief. When the balancing act is completed and you get rid of the bed and put something good on the other side, it'll, it'll come out the way he wants it. I just got to figure out what's got to go and what's got to be. Yes, re- absolutely. Uh, and it will help you if you start doing things like getting yourself on a good digestive enzyme supplement using apple cider vinegar with your meals, uh, a nice probiotic supplement. I like one called Nightly Essence from Longevity. There's, there's plenty of good ones, but that's the one I like. Uh, and then also using an amino acid called glutamine. Sometimes helps folks, sometimes helps folks who have digestive health issues. And then, uh, of course, the, uh, the food diary can... Uh, I'll let you move on to another call, but no, the light, the 50-watt bulb has been replaced with 100. I thank you, Ben. Thank you. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, William. Okay, so uh, we're going to take a break, Ben. Do you mind holding over? I know there are many others that want to get through and ask you questions. Okay, so hold tight. We're going to take a news break. I will return on the Meg Ellison Show with pharmacist Ben Fuchs on WSAU. 